The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. in New York, and here is your top five at five. Grab the coffee, get your Wheaties. Another busy day for the markets ahead as we gear up for more earnings, fresh jobs data, and another round of Jay Powell on Capitol Hill. Speaking of Powell, ARC's Kathy Wood joining the Fed in downplaying worries over inflation for a new take on higher prices. GM out with a warning to some of its electric car owners about fire risk, and it's a warning you have got to hear to believe. Netflix making a key hire from one internet media company, all in a bid to make movies be our moves beyond streaming. And get ready, the first round of the expanded child tax credit set to hit your bank account today even higher income families may be getting a check. We'll tell you how much. It is Thursday, July 15th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us once again here on Worldwide Exchange. We're going to get more on that stimulus story coming up. It is something that many of you may have either forgotten or didn't even realize, but it could be a very pleasant surprise in your bank accounts today or tomorrow. We'll tell you about it in a few minutes. But let's start with where your money stands on this Thursday morning. And it looks like it could be another good day for technology stocks. NASDAQ futures up four-tenths of 1%. Dow futures down a touch, but S&P up as well. It is certainly early. It was another up day for the Dow and the S&P on Wednesday. NASDAQ did drop very slightly for its second day of losses, but looking like a much better day today. In the bond market right now, because all eyes have been on the 10-year yield, particularly if you invest in tech, And guess what? That yield moving down just a touch again to 1.31%. Also, let's watch oil. There were reports surfacing late yesterday that Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates may have reached, finally, a compromise over an OPEC Plus policy to unlock more supply. Remember, nearing now a two-week-long stalemate. It is nothing I or we can confirm yet. But if a deal gets done, it would add 400,000 barrels a day to the market. Something to watch. WTI crude down just a touch to 79.40 per barrel. We'll get more on all of this in just a moment. But before that, let's get a check on some of this morning's top stories. And who better for that? And Bertha Coombs (laughs) with those. Good morning, Bertha. Hey, good morning, Brian. China out with a number of key pieces of economic data this morning, including GDP growth. Second quarter growth showing an increase of 7.9% from a year ago 
that was just shy of analyst expectations. The economy facing the dual headwinds of higher raw material costs and new COVID cases. Meantime, retail sales jumping just over 12% last month from a year ago. That topped forecasts. Also beating expectations, industrial production, which grew more than expected. Meantime, staying in Asia, Taiwan Semiconductor forecasting continued strong demand amid the ongoing global chip shortage. The company posting record revenue of more than $13 billion in the second quarter. That was up 28% from a year ago. It expects revenue for the third quarter to be up around 20%. The company says while it expects auto chip shortage to gradually reduce this quarter, Overall, semi-capacity tightness will likely extend into next year. And General Motors is warning some Chevy Bolt EV owners not to park their vehicles inside or charge them unattended overnight because of fire concerns. The warning impacting 2017 to 2019 versions of the car, which were part of a recent recall to address those fire risks. GM says two of the vehicles caught fire after they were repaired. The automaker has said it's bought back some of the recalled vehicles, but declined to say just how many. That is definitely something to worry about, Brian. All right. So these are older models. But I mean, let's be clear, if you own one of these cars, if you're one of the 25 or 30 people that bought one of these older Bolts, what do you do? I mean, you stand outside at night, well, don't charge it alone, and for God's sake, don't put it in your garage. Well, uh, not exactly yeah, a vote of confidence. I mean, they 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 say they have a software update that that can help fix that, but obviously it's it's still an issue, and and they're not that old, really. I mean, 2019. That's just a, a three-year-old car. You wouldn't expect I'm it being to nice. have that kind of a problem. I'm what? turning 50 on Monday, Bertha. I didn't want to be mean to. Anything getting older. (laughs) Hey, you're not getting older. You're getting better. (laughs) I quit. Bertha, thank you. That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. (laughs) Bertha, thank you very much. Made my whole morning. It's 5.05 and the show's already over. (laughs) Bertha, we'll see you in a few minutes. All right. Wow. Back to the markets now. Jay Powell preparing to head back to the Hill to testify before the Senate later on today. Powell telling House members yesterday, while inflation will remain elevated in the coming months, it is due mostly to temporary factors like rising used car prices, although probably not the bolt. ARK Invest Kathy Wood sharing that sentiment while speaking to CNBC yesterday. We believed used car prices are uh, going to to fall. Uh, they've they've gone way too far, way way too fast. And um, we we talk all the time about the deflationary forces associated inflation. I believe Leah earlier mentioned it. Uh, but it's not just on the disruptive innovation side. Our companies causing uh, these. Uh, falling prices that uh, explode demand. That's good deflation. All right, joining us now to talk more about that and the macro markets is Howard Capital Management CEO Vance Howard. Vance, good to have you back on. I mean, if you look inside the inflation data, it really was pretty much almost all used car prices up like 50% or something weird like that year over year, kind of skewing the data. Where do you fall in the inflation camp? 
Uh, you know, I'm not all that worried about inflation. You and I, Brian, have talked about this on a number of different times. I think it's temporary. I think it's over the next two or three quarters. It's going to start to work its way through. You know, I actually went, you know, we took a big position in SOXX, which is the uh, semiconductor uh, in index, and we're very pleased with that trade. We think we're catching the beginning of it. I actually went to 12 to 14 different dealerships just to ask where their inventory was and, and talk to them as a, as a business owner. You know, are you getting the cars that you need? And, yeah, you've got a lot of, of inventory uh, as far as used cars that are sitting out there and the new inventory is harder and harder to get but it's picking up I'm telling you I talked to these people and they're starting to get new cars in so I think we're starting to see a turn in this uh, the, the, the uh, especially the semiconductor chips moving up and the auto sales moving up too as far as new cars go but as far as inflation goes I'm just not that worried about it I think our bigger challenge here is if Congress wants to overregulate and overtax and I've told you this more than once and I think that's our biggest challenge going forward well, you, you know, it's funny you tie cars and semiconductors together, Vance, because yeah. if you look at a lot of new car lots, there's not a lot of new cars on them because they need semiconductors to make the cars. There's a shortage. They can't build the cars to put them in. And so you want to go buy a car. They're like, well, Mr. Howard, we'll have your car ready in February of 2022. I mean, it kind of goes together. It doesn't sound like you're that worried about the semiconductor shortage issue. I'm, I'm not. And like, and like I said, you know, the, we, we hit a good trade on SOXX. It broke out to a new 52-week high. We're very pleased. We think we're catching the beginning trade of the uh, semiconductor, the chips being back into into a nice upward trend and trying to make some people some money. But like I said, when I talked to these auto dealerships, and one of the reasons that I went door to door and asked them is because it's correlated to chips. And, and I think that what you're seeing is they're starting to get the chips that they need to manufacture the cars because they're telling me that they're starting to get new cars in. Now, they're not as fast as they used to be or is what they were before the pre-pandemic, but they're getting new cars in. So this is telling me that the chip supply is starting to get there, starting to get to the end user, and they're starting to build the products that we need and that we use. So very optimistic on that trade. And if I was going to, you know, like I said, we, we bought a big position in SOXX at our, at our firm. If I was an individual investor, I don't think I would try to pick out the next great chip stock like Intel. It's kind of like finding a needle in a stack of needles. I think I would buy an ETF that's a basket of, of uh, good semiconductor uh, stocks and chips a needle in a stack of needles well said vance what about the macro markets here they haven't you know this kind of grind higher every day no we haven't had a 400 point up day in a while it's like oh the dow's up 80 but it doesn't matter every gain is a new high where do you stand on the macro markets well, I, I, I don't mind grinding higher. Grinding higher is a great thing. Um, we're very bullish, Brian. You know, we, I've been sort of criticized for being too bullish, but with our proprietary indicator, the HC on byline went, went positive the first week of April. We've been 100% invested. We've told everybody, buy on any pullback, this market's going higher. Yeah, we'll get our garden variety, you know, corrections, our three, five, maybe even 10% corrections. Those aren't bear markets. There's nothing to be afraid of. The buy line's absolutely positive, so any pullback's a buying opportunity. There's so much cash on the sidelines, Brian. I mean, there's it's almost like a built-in floor now. Anytime you get a 1%, 2 3% correction in the market, people just come diving back in, as they should. And I've told people before, there's more risk right now in not taking risk. You need to be in this game. This market's going higher. Well said. About four to four and a half trillion dollars worldwide of little cash just sitting around waiting to be either put to use in the stock market or a new car or a solid gold yacht, whatever it may be. Vance Howard, (laughs) pleasure to have you on again, Vance. Thank you. Take care.
All right. Thank you. Well, we are just getting started here on a Thursday morning. And when we come back, your mornings, big money movers and shares of AMC and GameStop continuing to test retail traders' patience, plus a potential major cybersecurity deal in the works. Who may be buying whom ahead? And later, the posh private club Soho House set to go public. But unlike its in-demand clubs, will investors want to get in to the stock? The CEO will join us. We are back in a moment. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Time now for your big money movers. The three key stock stories happening right now. Let's go. First up, Blackstone. It has struck a deal to buy a roughly 10% stake in AIG's life and retirement business for $2.2 billion. Blackstone will manage an initial $50 billion of AIG's investment portfolio, with the amount rising to about $93 billion over the next several years. Big numbers. Probably all you care about is the stocks. Both Blackstone and AIG are higher right now. Stock number two, Netflix. It has hired a former Facebook exec to run its video game business. That's right. It wants to grow a video game business to get beyond streaming shows and movies. And finally, the memeiest of the meme stocks. AMC and GameStop, they have seen their share price cut in half from their peak in June. AMC is down 41% in July, while GameStop is off by more than 23%. But have no fear, long-term holders. And by long-term, I mean like a couple of months. They both still have monstrous gains for the year of more than 1,400 and 760%, respectively. Games and movies. You go. All right, on deck, your morning RBI and why many of you, all you out there, may be getting on the road for work a lot sooner than you think. Some pretty incredible stats on business travel ahead. We are back in a moment. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. All right, welcome or welcome back. And here's some good news. To start your day, you might be getting some surprise money into your bank account today or tomorrow. 
That's right. You may have forgotten or maybe never even known about it. But the first checks from the big spending plan passed in March begin to go out today. And this is real money. By the way, there's a handy CNBC calculator online that can show you just how much you might be getting. For example, a family making $75,000 a year with one kid under six and one between the age of six and 17 will see a monthly check of about $550 through December. Even a household making $200,000 a year, a lot of money in many parts of the country, will get about $300 a month. Wow. So what's going to happen to all that cash? Well, the team at Cowan crunched the numbers, and one of the authors of that report joining us now, Vivian Azer, is Managing Director and Senior Research Analyst at Cowan for Cannabis, Consumer Beverage, and Tobacco. Vivian, thanks for joining us. I, I read the, the, the note uh, with uh, sort of wide eyes, and I sent it to the team, and I said, we got to talk more about this, because honestly, I, I'm one of those who are surprised by it. There's a lot of money that's going to be going out to about 40 million households today or tomorrow through the end of the year. Where do you guys think that money is going to go? Well, good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I was um, so fortunate to collaborate with a number of colleagues at Cowan, and we looked at personal consumption expenditure as a benchmark for consumer deployment of the $150 billion in stimulus that those 39 million households will receive over the next 12 months. And we've identified about $37 billion um, in savings across the eight fundamental industries that we looked at. Uh, for my coverage, it's about $4 billion, um, principally um, going towards alcohol and to a lesser extent tobacco and cannabis. Um, at the high end, uh, grocery retail should get about $11 billion. But in total, we've identified $37 billion of that. Yeah. And, you know, some of that obviously is going to go to essentials, probably debt payment as well, rent, whatever. But when it comes to discretionary spending, your sector, cannabis, tobacco, who might be the benefit? What companies and stocks may be the beneficiaries of some of this excess cash. So in alcohol, we think Constellation Brands is going to be a principal beneficiary. They're the number three uh, beer company in the United States. Um, beer tends to be a more popular alcoholic uh, beverage subsegment amongst low-income consumers. Um, so as the owners and makers of Corona and Modelo, we think they're very well poised. Um, they're also a consistent market share gainer as it is. So we think they're um, very well set up for high single-digit top-line growth this year. Okay, they are one. And I know, I know there are other parts of the report, Vivian. It was a big report, by the way. You teamed up, as you said, with some of your colleagues. So I'm not going to ask you to, to comment on their stocks because you guys are pretty siloed. But overall, you expect outside of necessities, this could benefit restaurants. This could benefit uh, consumer technology, travel. Yeah, I think, the, you know, the really good news is consumer balance sheets are really healthy. Uh, we saw the consumer savings rates tripled um, in 2020, um, you know, during the pandemic. And so, you know, given the health of the consumer balance sheet, we do think that, you know, some portion of this $150 billion in stem stimulus will be deployed against uh, discretionary spending. And, you know, for restaurants, 95% of consumers uh, eat out at a restaurant, so certainly they'll benefit. Yeah, amazing, too, because you talk about consumer balance sheets being so strong. And, and listen, let's be clear. Millions of households are going to wake up today or tomorrow and be like, somebody put 400 bucks into my bank account. I mean, literally, I don't think a lot of people are talking about this. And you guys call it in your report a, quote, 
underappreciated stimulus. That's right. Um, 80% of households are going to receive those funds via direct deposit. The IRS has figured out how to do that, uh, given the, the prior stimulus programs um, under COVID. And this is a particular benefit for um, low-income households because it's not actually a tax credit. It's direct stimulus to consumers. So under the prior paradigm, you know, if you didn't make enough money to be paying um, income taxes at the federal level, then you weren't benefiting from a child tax credit at all. Yeah, and, and for many, many families, they certainly need this as well. But to your point, there's a lot of families for whom this will be just kind of a nice cherry on top to what may be an already pretty strong balance sheet going out to nearly 40 million households. Vivian Azer, really great report there by Callan. We appreciate you coming on, Vivian. Have a great day. All right, let's get a check on some of this morning's other top headlines, including... Continued demonstrations in the streets of Cuba as things really start to heat up in Havana. NBC's France Cervera in New York now with that and more. Good morning, Francis. Hi, Brian. Good morning, Yana. We're starting to find out more about what's been going on there because after being cut off from the world for several days, the Cuban government has finally restored Internet to the island. And here's what they didn't want us to see. Raids, assaults, police breaking into homes, dragging residents out just for protesting and people getting beaten in the street. The Washington Post is reporting at least 200 protesters have been arrested. This morning, a victory for Britney Spears. The pop singer scored a win in the battle over her father's conservatorship. The judge granting Spears' request to choose her own attorney. The pop star spoke out in court demanding her father, Jamie Spears, be charged with conservatorship abuse. He has denied any wrongdoing. And the NBA Finals are all tied up. The Bucks rallied to beat the Suns on a huge game from Chris Middleton here. He put up 40 points against Phoenix, including 10 straight down the stretch. So, Brian, Milwaukee wins it 109-103. to 103. Yeah, and I don't know about probably not you, Francis, because you're much smarter than I am. I stayed up and watched <laughs> the entire game, uh, which is why I look the way I do. But go Bucks, hey. Middleton. As long as it keeps going on, you got your late nights coming up. I know. Hey, guess Milwaukee's been in the finals once and never won anything. Got a root for sort of Laverne and Shirley. Francis, thank you very much. Sure thing. All right. See you soon. Take care. All right. On deck, fighting cybercrime. The new steps the White House may take to go after ransomware attacks. But are we really ready to stand up to Russia? That's all on tap. And a reminder... Be sure to follow our podcast. By the way, it's called Worldwide Exchange. Dow futures down about three-tenths of one percent. NASDAQ futures up about the same. Mixed markets. We're back right after this. Jobs, earnings, and Jay Powell. Those are your big money themes to kick off a Thursday as tech stocks look to keep running higher. Speaking of big money, another round of bank earnings set to bust out with Morgan Stanley crossing the tape. And will you want to get into Soho House? Soho House stock, that is, because you're not getting in the club. The members-only club going public and founder and CEO Nick Jones is here. So get gussied up. It is Thursday, July 15th, and this is Worldwide Exchange.
Well, welcome or welcome back and good Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan. Let's get right now to how your money is shaping up halfway through the 5 a.m. hour. And stock futures, they're mixed, but you probably only care about big technology stocks because that's kind of what everybody buys these days. And NASDAQ futures, they are up about three-tenths of 1%, maybe looking to make even more new highs. Names like Apple, Amazon, you name it. NASDAQ futures up. Dow futures down about the same amount as well, so another mixed market morning. All that coming as most markets, like the S&P and Dow, continue every day to just grind to new highs. Well, solar stocks, not seeing a lot of shine, by the way, in yesterday's session. A number of the sector's big names, down only 7%. We talk a lot about oil and gas, but let's focus on renewable energy as well. Sun Power, Azure Power, names like that, falling more than 10%, names to watch today. It was a similar story for the pot stocks taking a hit. All amid speculation, the Democrats' bill to decriminalize marijuana may not pass. Names like Tilray, Canopy Growth, Grow Generation, all down between 7 and 11% on Wednesday. All names, by the way, to watch today. We'll talk more about them on Fast Money at 5 p.m., which I will also be hosting. We'll see you there. In the meantime, let's get a look at some of your morning's top stories. Bertha Coombs is back now with those. Bertha, what do you got in round two? Brian, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell will be back before lawmakers this morning. Powell will go before the Senate Banking Committee after appearing before the House Financial Services Committee yesterday to deliver his semiannual monetary policy report. Powell telling House members the economy is quote, a ways off from where it needs to be for the central bank to change its policy. And he added that inflation has it has increased notably, but he continues to maintain that it's mostly due to temporary factors. Shares of Avast are surging after word that it, it is in advanced talks with Norton LifeLock over a possible merger. Both companies confirming that information, that potential deal could be completed this month. According to reports, the move could help Norton, which primarily deals with consumer cyber safety, expand its focus in consumer software. Shares of Norton lower on that development. And speaking of cybersecurity, the Biden administration is apparently weighing new steps to combat the growing threat of ransomware attacks. According to reports, the White House is set to announce a task force on the matter. Those reports say potential moves being weighed include launching counter cyber attacks on hackers and crackdown on the use of cryptocurrencies in the attacks through more rigorous tracing of proceeds paid to hackers. Brian? Yeah, big story there. I mean, uh, cybersecurity, Eamon Javers has been all over the story every week. It's like a big ransomware story. Uh, doesn't appear to be getting any better. Bertha Coombs, thank you very much. Yeah. All right. Why don't we turn now back to the macro markets and your money and bring in our friend Jeff Kilberg of Sanctuary Wealth and KKM Financial, also a CNBC contributor, putting out his notes as the CIO of Sanctuary Wealth. Jeff, great to have you back on again, my friend. Before we get a little more micro, kind of dig down. What's the macro view of the markets? I mean, we're kind of just grinding higher every day, but it, I don't know if we're hitting stall speed or what. Kind of feels a little nervous. How do you feel? 
I feel pretty good this morning, Sully, and it's great to see you. But what's interesting is that this overarching theme, I know we're in the heart of earnings season. We're really excited to see what Morgan Stanley does today, as the banks have, by and large, kicked off the earnings season with a great sentiment. But the overarching theme I really look at is Fed Chairman Powell. He is so cool. Look what he did this week. He was able to shrug off some pretty hot inflation numbers. I almost want to call him Cool Hand Luke. He kind of even looks like Paul Newman. But what he did by message of the marketplace yesterday allowed for this grind higher. Lock and step across the sea, we see ECB's policymaker, Visco, talking about not tightening anytime soon. So you're seeing the central banker one-two punch. They're all synchronously talking about how they're going to let inflation move higher. So we can talk all we want about inflation being here. We saw BlackRock from a wage inflation move all their employees higher 8% in wage inflation. So there really is inflation, but those aren't the metrics that the Federal Reserve Fed Chairman Powell is using. So old cool hand Luke has these markets yeah. moving higher. Okay, I, I think I, cool hand Luke, I think I speak for our entire audience when I say some men you, you just can't reach. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk wow. about the banks. You, you see what I did there? I did. Morgan Stanley out today. Wells Fargo had some big numbers yesterday, mostly on a buyback, by the way. Are you a buyer of the big banks? We're selective in the big banks. I like J.P. Morgan. We actually have exposure to Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs. Look at the ETF, IAI. That's a U.S. broker-dealers and securities exchange ETF. And about 40% of that ETF, Sully, is actually Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs. So if you look technically, there's a lot of strength in that specific ETF at $100. So we like having exposure there, but Wells Fargo, you can have Wells Fargo. We are seeing it really lag. And look at Wells Fargo in comparison the last three years to the XLF. The XLF is the broader swath financial ETF. If you look at that dispersion, it's dragging the XLF by 55%. So I am out on Wells Fargo being selective, sticking with the essential name like a JP Morgan, Citi, even Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley, we have an indirect exposure. Well, we like to tie them together, right? We just lump them in as the big bank stocks out with earnings. Let's be, I mean, look, come on, JP Morgan and Wells Fargo couldn't be more different and Paul Correct. Newman and Robert Redford, right? I mean, look, they, they, look they you call them morning, banks. Sally. Yes, you're absolutely right. I yeah, mean, JPM and Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs, they're investment banks. Uh, they trade. That's mostly their business. Wells Fargo owns more home loans in America than I think anybody else. We've got to dissect the difference more carefully. Do we not? You you're absolutely right. And Bank of America missed out revenue, got punished a little bit yesterday. But we like the bank's broader swath because let's look at the sectors from this macro perspective. What were the two worst sectors in 2020? It was energy and banks. Now, in 2021, when we see a thematic type of approach to investing really makes sense, we're seeing banks come back. Look at the 10-year note at 131. We talked a lot on your show about how the 10-year is kind of tethered to 1.5%. That was a pretty lonely view, but sure enough, we were right. So we feel like there's still a lot of opportunity owning the banks. There's still a lot of room to run. And it's not so much because of the fixed income situation. Obviously, we're seeing trading, but look at the investment banks. We talk about the investment banks and the deals associated with that. There's still a lot of deals to be done. Okay, let's move outside of big banks and get now to technology. A lot of attention on maybe, if not the most important stock in the world, certainly one of the most widely owned. I think it's the top 10 holding in more than 200 ETFs. Of course, I'm talking about Apple. News yesterday about 
More iPhones, the stock kind of quietly, don't tell anybody, grinding to new highs every day. Are you, at Sanctuary Wealth, a buyer of Apple? We are an owner of Apple. We have to be mindful here. When you see Apple at 150, we do have the ability to write some covered calls here, protect that downside. It's been a fantastic run, but think bigger picture, year to date, Apple's still lagging, up only about 10%. So when you look at what we own in technology, of course you have to own some of the technology, big giant tech names, but look at a little, it's almost like a micro cap, Sully, but it's not. Look at Oracle. Oracle is a name that we really like owning here. We have to kind of separate. Look at semiconductors. We want to own the big fang stocks. We certainly own Apple. We are a little bit concerned up here. That's why we can take some chips off the table by using options. But nonetheless, you have to be more considerate in some of the non-fang stocks to really participate in some type of dispersion because there is dispersion in giant tech. So don't add new money to Apple. If you own it, keep it, and maybe write some covered calls to hedge a bit. And also look at Palo Alto Networks. You hit cybersecurity on the head, look at some of the other tech names. That will help you find some alpha. We are. We hit some of the banks. We hit big tech. We got your Notre Dame helmet behind you. It's a full segment. Jeff Kilberg, always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Thank. Take care, buddy. All right. Coming up, will investors go to where the money is? That's, of course, what we just talked about, the big banks. As earnings continue to roll out, we'll talk with the head of bank trading at KBW coming up right now. Some other key headlines we had to break. The ETF industry just rolling in it, on track for a record year. According to the Financial Times, flows into the funds already looking to outpace all of last year with $659 billion coming in through June compared to $767 billion for all of last year. And we're only a little more than halfway through the year. And by the way, heads up, Johnson & Johnson is recalling its Aveeno and Neutrogena spray sunscreens. J&J making that move after detecting a cancer-causing chemical known in some samples. Pay attention. And the FAA apparently warning SpaceX that its massive Starship launch tower in Texas is not approved. The revelation coming in a recent letter from the agency to the company over that structure, the FAA telling CNBC that SpaceX is building the tower, quote, at its own risk. Like going to space isn't risky. We're back right after this. All right, we're getting in the middle of your favorite season. No, not summer. Earnings season. And we've got big banks continuing to roll out. Morgan Stanley, U.S. Bank Corp., and BNY Mellon all rounding out the week. Now, so far, it's been pretty positive for the big banks with revenue and earnings coming in a little bit stronger for the most part than expected for three banks. However, as you just heard Jeff talk about, Bank of America did miss analysts' expectations with lower-than-expected revenue driven by a drop in interest rates. Let's talk more now about the group and bring in R.J. Grant, head of equity trading at KBW, a Stiefel company. R.J., good to have you back on. You know, it's been a mixed bag. I mean, Wells Fargo stock rose, but mostly because they announced they're probably going to add to an $18 billion stock buyback. Overall, you guys dig into the numbers better than anybody. How have, under the, under the hood, how have the numbers looked? Good morning, Brian. Thanks for having me on this morning. 
Now, you know, I, I do think that the, the narrative coming into earnings is, is largely playing out. We thought that <clears throat> fees were going to be strong. You're going to have some positive trading results, which we've seen from some of the bigger banks that are bigger in those businesses. But the challenge remains loan growth. I do think that, that um, Bank America did a, a very good job yesterday kind of talking up a positive outlook for the second half. But I got to say that I think investors feel like the group has had a really big run. And they're very happy now to kind of take some profits and see how things develop into the second half of the year. Yeah, what are they waiting for? I mean, is it really just an interest rate story? Everybody thought, RJ, well, rates are clearly going to end the year at 2%. Whoops. Yeah, no, I mean, and credit to you. I remember when you tweeted in the middle of June, um, you know, I think the 10 years is going to close the year at about one and a half. And I think at the time, that was a very non-consensus thought. Um, you're welcome. But right now, I mean, that that's looking like a fairly prescient call. I'm not 100% sure. I got to say that we have to also look how, how fast and how far the financials move from, from, a, from an underweighted position to an overweighted position in the course of a few months. Now, I understand that that you had a you know, hopefully once-in-a-lifetime event with COVID, and we had positive news around the vaccine. So we, we had a ton of money at the end of last year and the beginning of this year flowing into the space. So I think it's, it's, it's very important to have some context to see you know, where we were as opposed to where we are now. And I, I just think that folks want to see a little bit more play out in terms of if phone growth picks up. And to your point, um, you know, we broke some technical levels on the on the on the rates. Investors were happy owning financials when the when the ten year was was north of one and a half. But when that kind of fell apart, we saw a bunch of money flow out of the space. And you're still you're still seeing that with the outflows in the ETFs with the XLF and some of the some of the regional um, bank ETFs and large cap bank ETFs. So it, it's more of a wait and see right now is is what investors are telling us. Yeah. And uh, by the way, you're my, my you're my Twitter follower. So I appreciate it, RJ. Thank you very much for caring. Uh, is, is there is there more action in the regional names? I mean, you just talked about a kind of and we get these guests on and they say you got to look at a PNC. You got to look at a truest. I mean, I know we're CNBC. We love to focus on Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs. You know what? These super regionals, they're the names I hear people recommend the most. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the super regionals, I mean, what we've generally seen over the years is that investors will go into the super regionals and then they feel really good about where we're heading in, in terms of the macro, in terms of the economy. And that's, that's clearly taken on some water right now. I mean, you have, you have some factors like we talked about. The 10-year pulling back is clearly not great for, for the regional banks, for the spread lenders. You know, when times like this, if people still want to be in the space, they're going to go where they feel, as your prior guest mentioned, you guys touched on, where you have some, some, strong, some strong trading numbers, some strong banking numbers, you know, where you can generate fees, and you're not as susceptible to change in rates, um, such as the regional banks. So, you know, I think you know, we, we always say here that the regional banks lead the, way, lead the way higher and lead the way lower for investors that want to express their views on the economy. And, and right now, I feel I feel like the regional banks are just a tough, tough spot um, to put your money in the short term. I mean, we're still positive on this reflation trade, but I think it's just taking a break right now. And regional banks are just a little bit of a tough place to be because they don't have as many offsets as some of the 
the bigger banks and diversified financials. A really smart view there on the regional. And by the way, as we say this, RJ, truest financial numbers are crossing as we speak. Buck 55 versus a buck 19. So they're looking pretty good. What do you think the reaction might be? Very quickly, just off the cuff, truest. <laughs> I, I think that right now the, the, the sentiment for regional banks is a little bit tough. So I think investors are going to dissect it pretty hard. And unfortunately, we feel like people are focusing on the negative right now as opposed to the positive. So, um, you know, ho- hopefully the, the, the micro uh, overwhelms the macro. R.J. Grant giving us the real-time hot take as the news breaks. R.J., we appreciate you coming on. Back in the – sorry to drag you into the office, by the way, at 5.50 in the morning. I'm here. But we, we definitely appreciate We appreciate it, brother. Thank you. No problem. Thanks. All right. On deck, will you get into Soho House? Stock, that is. The cool clubs going public and the CEO joining us with Wilfred Frost next. Plus, your morning RBI and an incredible stat on why the death of business travel may be greatly exaggerated. Some numbers you gotta hear next. All right, time for today's RBI, and today it has to do with business travel because you heard a lot in the last year, no doubt, about how business travel is dead. It will never come back. We're going to Zoom everything. Well, like many things you hear, it may be not correct, at least according to a new Bank of America survey. They surveyed thousands of frequent business travelers, and they found that on the whole, More people now expect to travel for work sooner than later. Overall, 41% said they'd be on the road by next year, up from 30% who said the same thing just a couple of months ago. And check out this random but interesting stat and pretty busy pie chart. There's a lot going on there. But here's what you need to know. B of A found that 41% of those surveyed said they might travel more than before the pandemic. Another 15% said they may travel 50% more than before the pandemic. Think about that. In total, 56% of travelers said they're likely to travel more for work than they did before COVID and the lockdowns hit. Pretty incredible stuff there. Only 8% said that they would drop by more than 50%. A huge jump in business travel likely coming. If that ain't random but interesting, I don't know what is. Well, your next guest hopes that those stats are right on the mark because the ultra-cool Soho House clubs love travelers, and now they will love investors. They are set to go public today. They priced last night. They valued the company at $2.8 billion. So let's welcome in the CEO brought to us by our friend, our colleague, former host of this show, and a guy, and I just want to say, Wilfred, we haven't talked. My sympathies on the England match in Euro 2020, but thank you for bringing us our next guest. Well, those sympathies uh, are much appreciated, no doubt also by our next guest, uh, who was prob- probably watching that, no doubt in one of his, uh, his clubs. Nick Jones, the founder and CEO of Soho House, uh, joins us uh, now. Due to list today on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker uh, MSG, about a $3 billion valuation, uh, as Brian just said. Congrats on that, Nick, and, and welcome. Well, thank you, Wilf, and thank you for having me on. 
Um, I, I want to touch, first of all, actually, not on the IPO, but just a, a pandemic uh, question. You, you're spread out all over the world, different rules and, and regulations during lockdown. How tough was that? And how big's the bounce back been in, in those uh, clubs you've been able to reopen? Well, obviously, it was very challenging. But the, the great thing was the loyalty of our members. They stuck by us. They really came to the clubs when they opened. And what we're seeing now is the UK, where I'm coming from now, is reopening properly on Monday. And we, our members are definitely coming back to the houses. Uh, America, the same. Europe is a bit slower and Asia is a bit slower. But, you know, what we are seeing is a really big and uh, convincing bounce back. Um, you, you're often described as, as being elite and uh, exclusive, Nick. And of course, you are a members club and, and you have a pretty long wait list of people wanting uh, to get in and be a member. So do you think that's a, a fair framing of things that, that you're exclusive? No, we are inclusive. We let anyone join our clubs. We love anyone from anywhere join our clubs. And it doesn't matter if you're a struggling scriptwriter or an artist who hasn't yet sold their first piece of art. We love you being part of Soho House. Uh, in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, membership growth and membership numbers, just remind us the, the numbers at the moment. How many members are you? And uh, d does there, is there a limit when, when you're trying to, trying to keep that kind of sense uh, of differentiate, differentiation in terms of how many members you can grow to? Well, the, the membership growth is all in new houses. And what our members love most is us opening new houses. We're opening in Rome this year, Paris this year, Tel Aviv this year. And our members couldn't be more excited. And also what it does is create a really interesting local membership, which joins the global membership of Soho House. Uh, in terms of those members, I know uh, you, you, uh, you, you watch a bit of uh, our shows over here and we've been very focused on retail traders over the last year or so. In, in this IPO process, you were able to offer stock to the 120,000 Soho House uh, members. Was their interest in, in taking up the stock significant? Well, incredible. And it, was, it really touched me, in fact, that our members wanted to be part of the growth story of the MCG, Soho House. And, you know, it was a very high percentage who took it up. Uh, and then finally, uh, the app aspect uh, of your membership. Uh, does that give you uh, more than just physical hotel-style uh, uh, factorist characteristics when you, when you list? Uh, it's, it's a bit of a dating app, a bit of a social network as well. Yes, and what we have created now is a totally hybrid club, global hybrid club, where you can go physically and you can continue your membership digitally. You can connect with members, you can join the conversation, and you can watch an incredible amount of content provided by our members. So, yes, we see a real growth in digital membership in the future. Well, Nick, uh, congratulations again on the listing. We look forward to that first trade uh, on the stock exchange uh, floor today. And, of course, uh, if, if different circumstances, you would have been there in, in person, I'm, I'm sure. But uh, congrats and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. See you soon. Brian, I'll... Uh, I'll... You know, Will, thank you for bringing us that. It, it, am, can I speculate that was the roof bar of the 180 house? <clears throat> Not that I would know. I don't... I believe he said he was coming from, uh, from the uh, Oxfordshire farmhouse. So I, I don't think so. But um, to be honest, I'm not certain. <laughs> I'm just wild speculation. And by the way, Monday, my 50th birthday, the UK opening fully up. It's got to be a big day for everybody. They call it Brian Sullivan Day over there. They should. <laughs> I would. Better than BS Day. <laughs> Wilford, appreciate you bringing us the guest, man. 
Thank you very My much. See you on closing bell me. today. Thank you. I know you got Janet Yellen on tonight, so big, big interview, 4 p.m. Will, thank you. Well, that does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. I'll see you tonight on the 5 p.m. We call it 10 the hard way, 5 and 5. I'll see you in about 12 hours. Squawking the gang, picking it up next. Have a great day, and until then, take care. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern, only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.